Hey everyone, welcome to the first ever edition of the Jaguar Report Fantasy Podcast. Jaguar's podcast focusing on fantasy and betting. I'm your host, Zach Schultz, and I want to give a shout out to John Shipley for giving me the platform to do this. Um, I'm really excited uh, to work on this new project and see where it goes. Uh, But without further ado, I guess we're just going to jump right into it. First off, what should you expect out of the show? Each week, my plan is to give you a quick rundown of the notable fantasy players for the Jaguars. We're going to look at how they've performed, review last week's Jaguars betting card, and take a look ahead to the next Jaguars opponent and how we can plan to attack them for fantasy and betting purposes. The goal here is to deliver a quick, informational podcast that can help get you ready to set your lineups and maybe make a little bit of money watching the Jags. With all that said... Let's dive in. First disclaimer here, all the scoring and rankings I'm going to bring up on this show are going to be based on half PBR scoring. It's my personal preference um, for fantasy and also at this point, pretty much the industry standard or the most common scoring. The Jags are coming off a big time 20 to 10 win in Pittsburgh, bringing them to six and two on the season. It was another weird game overall with the turnovers and just some of the sloppiness and whatnot, but it didn't stop a couple of the Jaguars from racking up some fantasy points. We're going to start it off with Trevor Lawrence. Uh, He was fantastic on Sunday, yet the performance didn't totally translate to fantasy points, um, which is kind of a common trend for Trevor. He went 24 for 32 for 292 yards and a touchdown, one interception, and Honestly, probably the worst interception of his career. And maybe the worst pass I've ever seen him throw. He also added 10 rushing yards, which ended up giving him 14.68 fantasy points. As a result of his development and added weapons this offseason, I really thought Trevor would easily become a top 10 fantasy quarterback. He currently ranks quarterback 14, and that is without his bye week. I think at this point, Trevor is what he is as a fantasy QB. He will likely never be a huge stat guy like Justin Herbert or Joe Burrow, and that's totally fine. I do, I guess with that said, I do, however, see some positive regression coming his way, as the dumb turnovers have not only lost himself points in fantasy scoring, but has also taken away so many potential points scored on the drives where these ridiculous turnovers happen. And they also are seeming to happen when Trevor is, like, rolling at his best. So it's just a double whammy. Another factor here, the Jags' D has been creating turnovers like crazy, which is just given the offense short fields, and it's limited their yardage yardage possibilities slightly. The two things here, it's just not sustainable either way. So I look for Trevor to finish the year higher than his QB 14 rank now, but I just don't think he's going to end up where you know the the consensus was preseason you know top six seven guy the Steelers game felt like such a microcosm overall of who Trevor is as a quarterback he played great he made big time throws he got the win but it doesn't necessarily look the prettiest on the box score oh well what are you going to do Travis Etienne continues his monster season, racking up 24.4 fantasy points. He rushed for 79 yards, 
caught three balls for 70 yards and a touchdown, including what essentially felt like the game-sealing 56-yard touchdown pass from Trevor Lawrence late in the third quarter. This now gives ETN four straight games with 20-plus fantasy points, and he is now the running back two on the season behind only Christian McCaffrey. He leads the league in touches, which just doesn't seem feasible over the long haul, but he's just playing so damn well that you can't take him away. He's going to end up on a lot of championship rosters this year, especially in leagues where you drafted later in the preseason and you got the Tank Bigsby discount. Congratulations. ETN has finished as a running back one in six out of eight of his weeks. He's not going anywhere. Fire him up the rest of the way with full confidence and file that under things you love to see. Christian Kirk had a really relatively quiet day uh, against the Steelers, going four for 46 on five targets. He unfortunately ended a six-game streak of double-digit fantasy points. The Steelers' defense is way, way, way more vulnerable on the outside, so I wasn't totally shocked to see somewhat of a you know mediocre day for Kirk. Despite that, he's still wide receiver 18 this year and remains a weekly starter. Lawrence's trust in Kirk is just massive, and he's going to get a ton of work throughout the rest of the season, and especially when the Jaguars are facing man-heavy teams. I mentioned the positive regression for Trevor, and that's just going to be a trickle-down effect to the pass catchers on this offense. It'd be really shocking for me to see the Jags continue to stumble as much as they have on offense in the second half of the season. Calvin Ridley found himself a nice bounce-back game. He got 10 targets, caught six of them for 83 yards. The panic was real after last week's dud versus Saints, and it was just such a gross overreaction. The two games he struggled most of the season were against the Falcons and Saints. They play similar schemes. Both have a great cornerback one in uh, A.J. Terrell and Marcus Lattimore, respectively. They play heavy man, and it funneled targets to Christian Kirk in both games. Aside from those two games, he's Ridley has seen at least seven targets in every other game. The Zay Jones injury has also proven to be pretty brutal for Calvin, as they just pose zero threat. Uh, on the opposite outside receiver position. Yes, Calvin is the wide receiver 35. Expectations for him to be like a top 24 guy were, were, were there. Like, I fully expected him to be a strong wide receiver too this year. I, I, I think he still salvages something out of the rest of the year, and he pushes closer to that wide receiver 24 spot than maybe even like wide receiver 40. If you've got someone who's just mega panicked on Calvin and get can get like a nice cheap cheap buy on him, I'd be all in. I just think it's an insane overreaction to a couple of lower performance games for Ridley. Uh, yeah, it's just pretty wild to me. Evan Ingram continues in his insane run of consistency. He just caught ten passes for eighty eight yards. For 11.8 fantasy points, Ingram now finds himself as the, the tight end seven on the year. His target share remains super reliable. He's seen seven plus every single week since week two. It seems like the Jags are making a real effort to get the ball out of Trevor's hand 
very quickly, and Ingram is the biggest beneficiary of that. The way Doug has learned how to use his size and athleticism with the ball in space has completely revolutionized Ingram's career and in turn has given fantasy managers a plug-and-play guy you do not have to worry about. Tight end is usually a wasteland after the top few guys, and to know Ingram is just never going to totally flop for you is massive. His performances are not going anywhere, and here we go with here we go again with positive regression. Ingram hasn't even caught a touchdown yet. He's provided fantastic return value for uh, draft drafting managers this year. If Travis Etienne weren't having the insane season he's having, the Jaguars' defense and special teams might be the fantasy MVP of the team so far. They're now the number five overall defense, and that includes a minus four-point game week three versus the Texans. <laughs> and games against the beat the Bills and Chiefs, to be honest. Going into the Steelers game, they were fourth in defensive DVOA, and they've just been turnover machines. They now lead the league with 11 interceptions, and they <laughs> honestly probably have dropped 11 as well. You can't run on these guys. They constantly force you into third and longs. And their strength of schedule is fairly light the rest of the way. Looking ahead even further, they get the Bucks semifinals week of the fantasy playoffs in the Panthers championship week. The cherry on top for them is Jamal Agnew is liable to house a return at any point in the game. If they are somehow available to you, you gotta go pick up the Jags D instantly. Okay. So we're going to go ahead and review last week's uh, Jaguars betting card. You can find my betting card every week in the Jaguar report betting the Jaguars article that comes out Friday. Last week, well, I guess I'll say each week I do three Jaguars bets and two other bets around the league. But for this podcast, I'm just going to talk about the Jags. First things first, I had Jaguars at minus two and a half. I wrote in my article that... I just really felt strongly about the Jaguars being a much better team than the Steelers this year. The Steelers have yet to outgain an opponent yardage-wise, and are were somehow had a they somehow had a winning record coming into the game. Well, that's just not going to work against good teams. And update: the Jaguars are good. They ended up winning by ten, so the two and a half was never in question. Because even after that, Pickens touchdown. I felt comfortable that even if they gave up another touchdown somehow, that they still were going to hold on by three. Ridley over 50 and a half was a pretty easy cash. Ended up with 83 yards. Um, I talked about how outside receivers versus Steelers have just feasted this season. Um, And that was no exception for Calvin. And lastly, I had Jags over 20 and a half team total points. And, of course, they finished with 20 points. I mean, that's just the nature of the beast. Um, but the turnovers, specifically the uh, just awful pick Trevor threw in the end zone with, well, they took a sack that put him out of field goal range. And then lastly, uh, I had a laugh because this is so betting, so, so just classic betting right here is 
they were they probably could have kicked a field goal at the end. McManus has the leg for it, but I mean the right decision was to punt it. I just wanted Doug to kick that field goal to hit hit over the the team total for me, but the punt was the right call. But I totally think McManus could have hit it. Okay, we're gonna look at just some Jaguars stats against the spread and some other you know betting things here. Since they're on bye week, there's not a team to look forward to. Um, so normally, I guess in this spot, I would be looking at different uh, ways team other teams have attacked the next opponent and how we could maybe you know use that for fantasy and betting. But with the bye week, I've just kind of in the first show, I'm just doing doing some review here. But so far, as the Jags are six and two, they're also six and two against the spread. They're two and two at home. 4-0, and oh, or sorry, these are all against the spread numbers. So 2-2 two and two at home against the spread. 4-0 oh, road, 4-1 and one as favorites, and 2-1 and one as underdogs. Their over-under game totals this year are 4-4. Four and four. And looking ahead to some futures, I'm not, a, I'm not like super into betting futures. Um, I actually did place one preseason future on the Jags for Super Bowl. Um, I think I got it at plus 2,800. But right now, and these are all on BetMGM, you, the, I'm just I'm laughing. The Jags are minus 500 to take the AFC South at this point. I believe across the industry, they are pretty consensus, like minus 150, which even that to win a division is pretty strong. Um, but yeah, now they're minus 500. They're, they should easily run away with this. To win the AFC, plus 900. I mean, if to me, if I'm going to bet money to chase some long odds to, to win the AFC, I don't know, I'm just going all the way and I'm betting the Super Bowl. You can still get them at plus 1,800, and their odds are lower. Like when you look at the the ranking of teams, that are listed in uh, in order of favorites, they're lower than I thought they'd be. So, and I think eighteen hundred is still a pretty solid number for for where we're at in the season and how well they're playing. The number that I'm intrigued by here is plus seven hundred to get the number one seed. Um, they're currently tied with the Chiefs and the Dolphins and the Ravens, all at six and two. But I mentioned earlier, Jags have a pretty, nah, I wouldn't say easy, but it's softer strength of schedule than a lot of the other upper teams in the conference. And just the way they're playing with the offensive stumbles that just, I'm just, I'm sorry, but they have to get strained out. I just don't see how they can continue that all season long. I think the Jags really do have a pretty strong shot at grabbing that number one seed, and seven to one on your money is pretty strong. So I, I might, I'll, I'm going to consider sprinkling a little bit on that. And then the last one I wanted to bring up here: BetMGM has e, uh, Travis Etienne Offensive Player of the Year odds at plus four thousand. So you're getting forty to one on your money. That's pretty wild. And he's also listed like pretty low on their list, um, which I was surprised to see. But ultimately, it just comes down to the fact that Christian McCaffrey, Tyreek Hill, 
and A.J. Brown are all just having absolutely monster banana seasons. And unless all three of them get hurt, no one, no one else is going to even sniff this award. I just thought the number on ETN was pretty wild. Um, but, yeah, like I said, those three guys, to have three guys going that strong all in one season is pretty insane because the impo- – not impossible, the – the wild season ETN is having completely unnoticed because those three guys are blowing him out of the water. And other than that, I think that's going to wrap it up here for the first episode of the Jaguar Report Fantasy Podcast. If you tuned in, I truly appreciate you, and I hope you are uh, looking forward to more because... I think we can uh, have some fun doing this and make some money along the way. I guess I got to give a Twitter plug for I'm out of here. And yep, it's still Twitter. Give me a follow at Schultzy, S-C-H-U-1-T-Z-Y. Other than that, that's all I got. Um, I'm Zach. Once again, thanks for tuning in. Thank you, John. You're the man. Peace.